Redesigned. You know, I, I just think we just have to know who we are. We got to believe in ourselves. You got to remember that dreams don't have deadlines. Mm. And you got to remember never to limit yourself. You know, Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken at 65 years old. Mm. There are no limits on this thing. You can be successful as long as you want to be successful. Don't under, don't overestimate the gift of youth and mm. underestimate the gift of experience. You know what I'm saying? And that was your Monday morning motivation from LL Cool J. Hope you're having a good start to the week. This is episode 63 of the Redesign Podcast. My name is Andrew, also known as Mr. Kate Box. This week, what are we talking about? We're talking about e-scooters. Could we be seeing them legalised on UK streets? Fake Tidal streams. The music streaming platform Tidal is under fire at the moment and under investigation about streams being falsified, particularly with albums from Beyonce and Kanye West. Also, one of the blackest, darkest materials known to man. We're going to be talking about that and also some amazing stuff they've been doing with the technology. It's not a colour, it's a technology. Huawei has been granted the go-ahead to supply infrastructure for the UK's 5G wireless network. We're going to be talking about that and more after the intro. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Flexing is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. Don't forget if you want to get involved in the conversation, we are active on Twitter. Use the hashtag RedesignPod. You can also follow me on the socials at Andrew underscore CBX. And uh, you can follow the Instagram account RedesignPod. That's at RedesignPod on Instagram. Yeah, so uh, with that being said, let's crack on with this week's podcast. So if you remember a while back, we were talking about Apple's keynote event where they unveiled the iPhone 11. And also I mentioned a piece of software called Filmic Pro. And um, I mentioned the ability to use one camera, but have several viewing angles. Well, that's been released now. It's an app called Filmic Pro Double Take. And it allows you to film two different angles at a time. Um, but you can actually alternate between your ultra wide, your wide and your close ups, kind of eliminating the need for having a multi camera setup. Let's say, for example, if you're filming an interview or a podcast, for example. So the app is on the iOS app store, although Filmic Pro, the app is available on Android. The double take feature or the double take app is not available yet on Android. But yeah, this app is definitely going to be a game changer and you'll be able to shoot 4K video and also have these multi-camera angles all from just one device. Absolutely crazy. If you're a content creator, this is something you should definitely take advantage of. Definitely check it out, especially if you're working within the Apple ecosystem. Just reading a couple of snippets from the website filmicpro.com, it says transform your iPhone 11 into a multi-cam studio. 
while delivering a professional multi-camera studio experience double tape by filmic pro was designed for content creators of all skill levels and for multiple genres of content from professional broadcast style news interviews to youtubers capturing multiple angles during live events concerts or any situation that requires more than one perspective to capture the moment so um the really sick thing about this is still compatible with the previous iphone models the iphone 10s and also the iphone um 10r or xr uh, which is pretty good the only difference is with the if you want the wide telephoto and ultra wide angles you can only use that on the uh, iphone 11 um and upwards because obviously they've got the uh, triple camera set up so if you haven't got that then you won't be able to do the ultra wide but i've tested it on my iphone 10s and it works perfectly fine with just the two camera angles um the wide and the close-up which is still pretty cool another cool thing is that you can actually record from the front facing camera and the rear facing camera at exactly the same time, which is sick, especially for vlogging. So if you're walking into a room and you're filming yourself, you can film the reaction of the people around you in the background and you can have both video streams incorporated into one file or you can have them in, or you can have them as separate files, which is very, very useful when it comes to editing. So yeah, there you have it. Uh, go to filmicpro.com for more information and uh, yeah definitely check out the double take app by filmic so chinese communication giant huawei has been given the green light to supply part of the infrastructure of the uk's 5g network now there's been a lot of uh, political uproar over this as there have been concerns about security and obviously the trade war between the US and the Chinese government is uh, is obviously an issue obviously because the US is one of our biggest allies here in the UK. Yeah, but Boris Johnson said, nah, we're going to do it anyway. But the, uh, the catch is they're only going to allow up to 35% of the network to rely on Huawei's resources and um, equipment so they're going to make sure that it's not going to be used in sensitive areas yeah it's looking like uh, they're going to go full steam ahead with the 5g network there's still a lot of uh, uncertainty about the health effects of 5g every time i've seen an advert or a post about 5g i've seen some really negative comments underneath from from the general public I'm not sure if this 5G thing is going to be adopted as quickly as they would hope. It's very interesting. Let me know what your thoughts about 5G are. Do you have any concerns? Will you be signing up to any 5G contracts in the near future? Let me know what you think. Um, just looking at an article from Digital Trends, it says the UK has made its decision over the use of Huawei equipment in its 5G networks after months of indecision and delays. Huawei will be included in building 5G networks in the UK according to the government, but it, along with other so-called high-risk vendors, will not contribute to connecting the more sensitive aspects and sites controlled by the networks. So that was from an article from digitaltrends.com. I'm going to leave a link in the description. As I mentioned before, it, it does go against, you know, the idea from the US government saying that the UK should join them in boycotting Huawei from its 5G networks as uh, they've highlighted existing security fears. And the crazy thing is that the US has actually threatened to like stop sharing intelligence with the UK government if this was to go ahead. 
I don't know, man. But it's good. We need to mind our own business. Let's all mind our business for 2020. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're not following everything that the US does. No offense to all my American listeners, but sometimes like you can't just do what someone else tells you to because they're your mates. You know, you gotta have your own backbone. Yeah, let's go to a quick snippet for some news um, about the situation with Huawei and 5G. <laughs> The government will allow Huawei to continue being involved in the building of our 5G network. However, the Chinese telecoms giant will be limited to a maximum of 35% of the less sensitive non-core parts of the network. And that's because of a fundamental dilemma. While Huawei can deliver cheap, effective technology crucial to boosting productivity, there are significant national security fears around China's involvement in such a critical piece of infrastructure. Allowing involvement is also likely to damage the UK's relationship with Washington, with President Trump opposing the move. Well, we can seems to have gone down very well here in the city. The telecom sector is the biggest gainer on the FTSE 100 today. And as you can see, shares of both BT, the owner of EE, and Vodafone are ahead on that news. Meanwhile, Huawei says it's reassured that we can continue working with our customers to keep the 5G rollout on track. It added, this evidence-based decision will result in a more advanced, more secure and more cost-effective telecoms infrastructure that is fit for the future. We're live now to our security and defence correspondent, Alistair Bunkle, who's in Westminster. Ali, I guess this was uh, no surprise, really, was it, at the end of the day? No, it wasn't. I mean, we knew that Theresa May's government, when she was Prime Minister, had come to a similar conclusion, and it seems that Boris Johnson has decided to uh, maintain that, largely based on the advice from the intelligence agencies, particularly GCHQ, who have long experienced working with the Chinese telecoms firm, because while we have been embedded in uh, Britain's 2G, 3G, 4G technology, and are already being used by companies like Vodafone, uh, 3 and others, to start building their 5G offering as as they go forward. And so GCHQ and the NCSC, the National Cyber Security Centre, have been able to help mitigate the risks uh, thus far and believe very firmly that they can do so going forward in 5G. And I think this was a decision that had been put off and put off, partly for uh, obvious political reasons like general election, change in uh, Prime Minister, but it was a decision that really needed to be made sooner rather than later. It uh, is a quite a benchmark decision for Boris Johnson's government because of the implications it has, uh, not just in the business world, but for global politics. Britain's relationship with America, Britain's relationship with China, Britain has now decided what it is going to do with 5G and now will want to plough ahead uh, at pace in order to bring it into the system as quick as possible because of the benefits that it could have on industry here. All right, Ali, thanks for that. Well, what would this mean for our 5G rollout and Huawei's position in the UK market? I can speak now to Dexter Tillian. He's senior industry analyst at Fitch Solutions. Dexter, welcome to you. I mean, how much would a ban on Huawei have cost the telecom sector? Probably billions, because we're talking not only the cost, but also the time. So the issue is Huawei is already in 2G, 3G networks. And if you want to use it for 5G, if you don't want to use it for 5G, whether if it's banned, you need to replace all that older equipment. So that's the cost, and obviously that takes a lot of time, which is why operators weren't very keen on that. What about, I mean, there's a lack of inoperability between, interoperability between the equipment providers. Was that a factor, do you think, in this decision? I think it was, and I think it's a similar case in the rest of Europe. So you always probably got 30, 35% market share in Europe, and every market is looking into that and saying, you know, the cost of 
retrofitting every kind of piece of equipment, 2G, 3G, 4G, will be too prohibitive and will obviously delay the rollout of 5G in different countries. And what do you make of this 35% share market share cap? Because at the moment, as I understand it, Huawei's market share is 28%. So this gives them a bit of scope to increase it. Yeah, a bit of scope. Obviously, they're only going to be part of certain parts of the network, the less least critical part of the network, which is not where like sensitive data is stored. But obviously, it's just kind of showing to China and also to the rest of the world that Huawei is welcome in the UK. We've just heard uh, apparently uh, a White House official has said that the Trump administration is disappointed with this decision. And put this in context, was this really genuinely all about security fears on the part of the Americans or was this part of their sort of ongoing trade war with China, do you think? I think there's two ways to look at it. So it started as a technology issue, then it became a security issue. So the Americans have been very strong against Huawei for several years. This predates Trump basically since 2012. And then it's become kind of a trade geopolitical issues. I think for me what it shows more than anything else is that the US has failed to convince its allies, including one of its core societies in the UK, that UAE poses a threat, a critical threat to its network. So I think that's kind of the main takeaway we can take from that. As and well. of course, this debate is playing out elsewhere. I mean, Germany has to make a similar decision to this. Angela Merkel apparently pressing for Huawei to be included there as are all the telecoms operators, but there's a lot of opposition, isn't there? There's some opposition in Germany, some decision in France. We're expecting some kind of guidelines from the European Commission uh, tomorrow, looking at kind of 5G security. But I think the fact that the UK allows it means that it's fairly unlikely for now for Germany to ban it. Dexter, I've seen it suggested that mobile phone bills or smartphone bills in the US are up to sort of $20 a month more expensive than they are in the UK. Mm. Is that because they barred Huawei over there from their network? No, it's to do with the structure of the market. So the US has always been the, one of the most expensive markets, along with Japan worldwide. The UK has benefited from kind of a European trend, which is kind of putting the consumer first with a lot of different operators. So more competition, more choice of the consumer, therefore an operator can make it more expensive. And also in the US, you've got four nationwide operators, they've got a lot to cover, therefore kind of rolling on the network will be more expensive than simply in the UK. So there you have it. Let me know what your thoughts are. Don't forget, use the hashtag RedesignPod. Get involved in the conversation. Let's move on. Now, according to The Independent, electric scooters could soon be road legal in the UK for the first time. So they're expected to be legalised on UK roads soon and also cycle lanes in the UK in cities. They're going to be trialling it in certain areas um, within the next few months. And in case you didn't know, it is illegal to operate an electric scooter on UK roads due to the 1988 Road Traffic Act. And it's actually crazy because a well-known YouTube star and TV presenter Emily Hartridge sadly died at the age of 35 after being hit by a lorry while riding an electric scooter. And that was only just in the summer of uh, 2019 but now they're looking to relax the laws um, basically following countries in the EU and also um, some places in the US they're kind of like relaxing their laws The Independent says despite riders facing fines or penalty points on their driving licence they've become an increasingly common sight on the UK streets in recent years Now the government are planning to legalise these scooters for the first time as part of an effort to promote greener transportation So there's going to be a consultation this month, later this month, to try and regulate the scooters and come up with a plan to ensure safety. I think it would be a good look, especially like, you know, um, coming back from work and you're walking back from the train station rather than walking all the way back. Maybe after a long day at work, maybe just hop on the scooter and uh, 
you know make life a little bit more easy I don't know what do you think let me know chime in use the hashtag redesignpod all one word let's go for a quick break what we gonna do right here is go back way back back into time the adult world was designed to keep us moving and while this may make us more efficient it's not exactly a party Luckily, technology has produced a cure. It's called a Game Boy, the personal game-playing system from Nintendo, with lots of sport, action, and puzzle games to choose from. It comes with Tetris game, earphones, and batteries. I'm sorry, sir. Your flight's been delayed. Good. Game Boy from Nintendo. How much fun can you handle? Things that make you go, Did you know... The first credit card in the UK was issued on the 29th of June, 1966, and it was from Barclays. They offered the UK's first credit card. By 2008, over 30 million people in the UK had a credit card and used them to make over 2 billion purchases a year. Hmm? Hmm. Let's talk Tidal. If you don't know what Tidal is, Tidal is the subscription-based music streaming app which hosts streaming music as well as music videos currently owned by jay-z they're under fire at the moment so this comes after allegations of streams being manipulated so they're under a criminal investigation over potential data fraud so this is coming from um norway and it's coming from a financial newspaper that kind of got evidence they actually had physical evidence um, they said they had obtained an internal title company hard drive which proved the streaming platform's play counts for two major albums from 2016 namely Beyonce's Lemonade and Kanye West's Life of Pablo had been artificially inflated and this is from the website musicbusinessworld.com it also goes on to say according to DN's original report into fake streams um, so DN were the guys that blew the whistle on the uh, potential that, you know, Tidal had been messing around with streaming data. It says that their original report onto fake streams said at least 320 million Tidal plays across both The Life of Pablo and Lemonade in 2016 are believed to have been manipulated. And this kind of like, this is mad because... Um, Tidal paid Sony Music over 4 million in, in royalties between April and May of 2016 and out of that 4 million Beyonce's album Lemonade accounted for an estimated 2.5 million I didn't even think of that being a factor because you, you always hear about like buying followers and buying streams on SoundCloud or buying likes and stuff like that but you never really hear about the possibility of buying streams or even if you own the company manipulating the streams if anyone can actually find out so the report from musicbusinessworldwide.com also says this is the really interesting part right it says three people left abruptly from the title team right in the second half of 2016 and it said two held business analyst roles on the platform while the third was titles head of business intelligence responsible for analyzing streaming figures hmm so it's also claimed that while they were still employees of Tidal in Norway, 
these three people who recognise the signs of manipulation going on regarding, obviously, Kanye West and Beyonce's albums. The group then contacted a lawyer before informing Tidal Management about what they discovered and then uh, an internal meeting was held. So after that meeting, yeah, these three individuals resigned from Tidal after signing what they described as the gold standard of confidentiality contract. So basically they signed an NDA. So they can't say what happened. But something fishy is going on over there at Tidal. And also comes to light that um, Kanye West claims that they owe him three million in royalties. And um, he's also since then disassociated with the company. Because you remember when Tidal first rolled out their launch, um, they got all these musicians to come and like, you know, say that, yeah, they're associated with Tidal, giving them 3% of equity, you know, parading around saying that, yo, Tidal's the best in terms of like getting the royalties back to the artists and stuff like that. You had Usher, Nicki Minaj, Madonna, all different artists. And now Kanye was one of them and now Kanye is not involved anymore. So, um, yeah, kind of, kind of tells us more of a backstory as to why Kanye and Jay-Z are not cool no more. It's interesting. It's actually interesting how this is all unraveling. And um, not to say that Beyonce's album weren't dope. It is a dope album, but why? I don't understand why they would need to inflate figures for Lemonade. I don't know. The, the album was dope. Me personally, I don't know if I believe this story is true. Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it is interesting because obviously, you know, sometimes in life, you know, they're saying there's no smoke without fire. Let me know what you think. Do you think uh, Tidal have been doing shady business practices trying to uh, manipulate the streaming figures and basically taking money out of the till thinking about it though if you are a music artist and you own a streaming service isn't that like a conflict of interest do you think it's fair that you can control um, <laughs> the platform on which your own music is you know hosted on I don't know do you think it's a conflict of interest let me know what your thoughts are. Use the hashtag on Twitter, RedesignPod. So have you heard of this material called Vanta Black? It is the darkest thing that I have ever seen. I've not physically seen it, but I've seen the videos. Um, I wish I had the YouTube channel set up, but I don't, so I could show you. But I'm going to post some of these things on the uh, Instagram accounts. Uh, Vanta Black is a material developed by a company in the UK called Surrey Nanosystems, and it's one of the darkest substances known to man. And it was actually in the Guinness Book of World Records. The special thing about this is that it absorbs up to 99.965% of visible light. So if you look at it, if you look at it front on, it just looks like you're staring into a black hole and they've created this material now and they've used it in like various different applications from like watches to space, space technology, uh, telescopes and stuff like that. But yeah, this material is very special. It's the, one of the blackest materials you can have. They've actually made variations that you can actually paint stuff with. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting development and um yeah let's go to a quick snippet it is so black it looks like a mistake 
all these things might look black, and we might even call them black, but they're not actually true black. But this, this is closer to true black than anything else on the planet, and it's revolutionising everything from space exploration to architecture. It's very hard to comprehend the blackest black in the world. I mean, you hear it, it makes sense, you, you think you can conceptualise it, but seeing it is something very, very, very different. so black that it changes the dimensionality of an object. It's not a colour, it's the absence of colour. So it's what happens when you have no light reflected back to the viewer, you see nothing, so your brain paints it as black. It might look like paint, but it's actually made up of microscopic carbon nanotubes, which are grown in a lab just outside of London. It's made from individual carbon nanotubes, and those carbon nanotubes are like very, very long blades of grass. Now you imagine if you were a human walking around in grass a thousand feet tall, how little light would get down to you. It's kind of like that, but on a very, very tiny scale. It, it's pretty much like a, a black hole. That's an interesting comparison, because this material is helping scientists peer deeper into the heavens than ever before. Acting a bit like a lens hood for a camera, Vantablack basically prevents lens flares in powerful telescopes. Reducing that stray light allows us to see some of the faintest and most distant objects in the universe. So the closer we get to achieving absolute black, the more we are able to explore the blackness above. But space isn't the only frontier. Artists, designers and musicians want to get their hands on Vantablack. Asif Khan is covering a building in Vantablack for the 2018 Olympics. When people look at this building, they will see a sort of a schism in space. It'll be like you're looking into the, into the night sky. Um, and in fact, we're creating a kind of star field within its blackness. So it will look like the Milky Way, but you'll be seeing it in broad daylight. The ability of Vantablack is to really make us think more about the light that we have access to. It's got the ability to make us realise what a precious resource it is. So for artistic use, they created a variation of uh, Vantablack in a paint called Vantablack S-Viz. So it's a sprayable paint that uses um, randomly aligned carbon nanotubes. That's what it's called. Um, and it's exclusively licensed to a guy called Anish Kapoor. So you can't just get this and then paint it on your car, for example. Speaking of that, well, you could, but you'd need to get permission from Anish Kapoor. Look him up. But speaking of that, BMW actually showcased a version of their X6 at the Frankfurt Motor Show last year. Like This stuff is sick. I'm going to put this on the uh, Instagram so you could go check it out. Um, let's go to another snippet. This is something you won't have seen before. It's the 2020 BMW X6 covered in the darkest man-made material ever made. Vantablack absorbs 99.965% of light, making it the definition of darkness, the darkest man-made material on Earth. It is essentially the closest you can get to a black hole with virtually no light being able to escape from it. Vantablack is made up of minuscule carbon nanotubes. When light hits the tubes, it is almost completely absorbed, with the tubes being so thin that photons, the particles that make up light, can't get in. The material on this car isn't quite the full 99.965 Vantablack, 
but is instead a sprayable material known as VBX2, which achieves 99% light absorption. That 1% definitely makes a difference in terms of picking out some of the shapes on the car, but it is still frighteningly dark. The human eye struggles to pick out shapes covered in Banta Black, essentially rendering 3D structures into simple 2D shapes. Any other black surface, you can shine a torch at and be able to at least pick out some shapes and contours. But I've deliberately worn all black for this shoot to show the difference between a seemingly dark material and Vanta Black. Now to get Vanta Black onto a car, you have to spray it. And the sprayed material is slightly different to the Carmen tube material. If you were to zoom in on this Vanta Black on this XX, you'd essentially see something resembling a coral reef. So the photons reach that coral reef and get trapped within it, meaning the light gets absorbed and you get this effect. So why has BMW covered this X6 in Vanta Black? Well, one of the new features on the car is this illuminated kidney grill. If it isn't massive already, why not illuminate it with light to really show it off? And the contrast between that and the Vanta Black is pretty striking. Although, from my perspective, I reckon they've covered it in Vanta Black because it's not exactly known as the best looking car they produce, so cover it in this material and it basically disappears. Having been around this car all day, I've been wondering what it reminds me of. Do you remember Batman Begins when Batman switches off all the lights on his Batmobile and he sneaks through the police traffic? This car can definitely do that. So there you have it. Lots of things going on with technology. This is not even that new. This is stuff that's happened. Well, it is relatively new. <laughs> There's so much stuff going on and trying to, you know, keep it varied trying not to talk about the same stuff all the time so yeah let me know what you thought of that and also if you want to leave a review don't forget you can review the podcast on apple podcast hopefully a five star review if you like it tell a friend and yeah make sure you follow subscribe all of that stuff and uh yeah we'll be back for another episode next week take care and bye for now redesigned